Please uh, remain standing for the reading of God's Word. We're going to go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. And we're going to read uh, the whole section, the whole chapter, verses 1 through 16. 1 Timothy chapter 4. This is God's Word. Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For what bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy, when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. That is God's word. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. When I was in uh, college in Honduras, I joined a soccer team, and I was good at the game, (laughs) humbly, but I had a disadvantage. I wasn't strong enough. I wasn't as fast as the other guys. So I did what everyone who wants to get stronger does. I joined the gym. And I started to work out. So in those days, my first class in college was at 7 a.m. So in order to uh, get to class and being busy the rest of the day studying, I had to go to work out at 4 in the morning. So that was my routine. My friend and I, one of my best friends and I, went to the gym religiously from Monday to Friday from 4 to 4.30, 4.40 in the morning. We were back home, uh, had a shower, eat breakfast, and then head to class. And for six months, I was doing that until I realized after those six months that I was stronger, I was faster, and I was even better at the game. 
And I think that I was at the level of the other guys by that time. But that wouldn't happen if I didn't have the discipline of working out in that way. Fifteen years later, I'm here before you, and I'm not nearly that speed or strength anymore. One, because I'm older. And the other reason is because I'm not working out as much anymore. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, Apostle Paul says that in the same way that we train our bodies, we also need training for godliness. Both of them require training. To train for godliness, uh, we need to train in the, or practice the spiritual disciplines in the same way that to train for our bodies, we need to do certain exercises. The difference between the training of the body and the training for godliness is that godliness holds a promise for this life and the life to come. That is a big difference. But Paul says that in chapter 4, some will leave the faith. Some will depart the faith because they are not devoted to godliness, but they are devoted to teachings of demons. They will depart the faith to believe in something else. Something else that does not produce desire to train for godliness. Tonight in our text, we will be called as Christians to believe in a saving faith that produces godliness. So Christians, our college church, the word of God is telling us, continue, remain in the faith, in the faith, in the saving faith that produces godliness. And we'll, we'll do this in our text in three sections that we have over here. Um, probably clearly section, verses 1 through 5, uh, verses 6 to 10, and 11 to 16. And I, I want you to notice three characters in our text. The first one are the deserters, those who left the faith. The deserters who desire or who are devoted to false teaching. The second one are the believers. The believers are those who train for godliness. And number three, the gospel teachers. And the gospel teachers in the church are those who model godliness. They teach godliness, but they also show godliness in their own lives. So number one, the deserters that devote to false teaching. Now, the definition of this word that I came up with to talk about those who depart from the faith, a deserter is a person who abandons their faith, in this case, in a way that is considered disloyal. In the same way that a soldier would abandon his army to join the enemy. The reason some will live the faith in Jesus Christ, according to our text here, is not that they stop believing, but they believe in something else. They think that they will find favor of God 
by following this new religion. A religion of abstinence, according to the text. But they will end up being enemies of God. So what was that teaching? The Bible says they forbid, these teachers forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created. And that is an ancient scheme of the devil. Do you remember the snake in the garden when he told Eve, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? That was a lie because, that was a lie because God did not say don't eat of any tree. But the snake was, was lying. So the deceitful spirits and the teaching of demons is that that distorts the word of God in two ways. By adding commands or by subtracting from the scripture. But in this case, in our passage, these hypocrite teachers were adding commands to their religion in such a way that their fa followers end up denying the faith and trusting in their own doing. That was a work-based faith. These teachers, says the text, had seared consciences. This means that they knew they were speaking deceitfully, they were lying, they were leading people away from the truth, but because their consciences were seared, they did not care. They did not care about the harm they will do, maybe motivated by fame, by money, or whatever other motivation they had. But they were instruments of the devil or instruments of demons, more specifically, because the text says, through these teachers, they were bringing this kind of lies to the believers. So how can we know if uh, teaching today is deceitful? Well, the principle that we find over here is that the word of God reveals the error and bring, brings light and shows what is the truth. They were forbidding marriage and, and they were requiring that people avoid certain foods. And Paul responds to this demonic teaching alluding to Genesis chapter 1. He says, uh, God saw everything that he had made and behold, says the text, it was very good. In Genesis chapter 2 also, then the Lord saw, then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So God established marriage and God gave these foods. The things that these false teachers are rejecting were created by God to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe. The fact that this false religion rejects what God says in his word is good, exposes their rebellion and their unbelief on God's word. But for those who know the truth, they receive these things with thanksgiving. 
and enjoy those things with freedom. And they remain in the faith. Now, to me, this kind of religion, I think it will be really hard to follow. There are certain foods they cannot eat. I mean, food. I want to enjoy what the Lord has made for, for us. Especially what my, my wife makes for me, too. It's pretty good. Now, those who will live the faith are not those outside the church, but the text talks about people who are in the church. But for the hypocrisy of false teachers, they will be tricked. Besides identifying the false teachers, we need to persevere in the understanding of God's word so we can be able to recognize the truth against the lies. And this text here, uh, especially this first section, is for us here at College Church, warning us to remain in the faith that is taught in the Scripture, and that faith that produces godliness, and reject the teaching that distorts God's Word. So those are the ones who departed from the faith, those deserters of the faith. They were devoted to false teaching. But now we have the believers. They continue to believe. They remain in the faith. And what do they do? How can you identify a believer who remains in the faith? They train for godliness. And here we have Timothy, Apostle Paul, commanding Timothy to train for godliness. And this is a contrast between the ungodly and the godly. Paul introduced the ungodly that will depart from the faith to contrast them with those who remain in the faith and pursue godliness. Now, this is not a new doctrine that commands Christians to pursue godliness or train for godliness in order to be saved. But it is the same biblical doctrine of faith alone in Christ alone that reminds Christians to believe in the Savior of their souls, Jesus Christ. But faith alone does not remain alone, but it produces godliness in the life of those who have faith. Now, in verse 6, Paul turns his attention to Timothy to affirm the source of faith and godliness, that is, the Word of God. Paul affirms affirms, uh, Timothy by saying that he is being nourished in the words of faith. We we read in uh, verse 6, being trained in the words of faith, but I think that a more accurate translation should be being nourished, which is a different way to translate as we find train later. So in this way, uh, Apostle Paul is giving us a picture of what is the food that Timothy is eating. He is being nourished through or in the word of God or the word of 
faith. I don't know if you ever heard that saying, we are what we eat. So before starting to train in the gym, the story I just told you, I was, I have to confess, I was a picky eater. Um, and my mom always fought with me to, in order that I will eat my vegetables. But when I started to train, it was so heavy, so difficult to wake up so early in the morning and to go to train, that the least that I could do, it was to eat well, so my training will be worth it. And that's how I learned to eat. And I enjoy vegetables more than anything. And eat all kinds of meat and protein and rice and beans and I mean, food is a joy when it's done right. <laughs> so Tim, Timothy was being nourished in the words of faith, the word of God that affirmed his faith and that of his brothers. Because as Christians, we have God's word as food. And now we come in the next uh, verses to the heart of chapter 4. And also to a very important element on the uh, first epistle of, of Timothy. Paul exhorts Timothy to avoid irreverent silimates and train for godliness. This is the exact opposite of those deserters of the faith and the things that they were, they were doing. Because those who will leave the faith avoid godliness and devote themselves. They're actually disciplined, but they're disciplined in the wrong thing. They're disciplined, they're devoted in false teaching. And in this section, verses uh, 6 to 10, we just have two imperatives. For Timothy. The first one is, have nothing to do. Timothy, have nothing to do with irreverent limits. And the second one is, train yourself for godliness. Those are the two things you have to do. Now notice that the purpose of training is godliness. The text says, train for godliness. It doesn't say train in godliness. Same uh, the text says, train for the purpose of godliness. So the training itself is not the goal. The goal is godliness. So when I work out in the gym, I was pursuing something more than just showing up to the gym and say, check, I went to the gym. I wanted to become stronger. My goal was to train my body to improve my fitness. So how do we train for godliness? As believers, how can we become more like Christ and closer to Him? That is the question. And the answer is spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines is our gymnasium to be godly. A spiritual activities that will be in the scriptures, that we'll find in the scriptures, that will make us more like Jesus and bring us closer to him. Now, there's a really good book if you want to read something about this 
from Donald Whitney called uh, Spiritual Disciplines of Christian Life, reflecting on this text, specifically on these words. And he gives us a list of, not exhaustive list, of biblical uh, spiritual disciplines. And these are the ones he uh, goes into it. Bible intake, prayer, worship, evangelism, serving, stewardship, fasting, silence and solitude, journaling, and learning. Now, as, as I said, this is not exhaustive uh, list of biblical spiritual disciplines, but it will help us to, this night so we can have a, an idea of how to pursue godliness. How do we train to be godly? Now remember, the, the goal is not the training. The goal is not Bible intake. The goal is not prayer. The goal is godliness through the spiritual disciplines. So if I take this list of things, of spiritual disciplines, biblical spiritual disciplines, and start to do them all, and checking each one of them, are saying, I have fulfilled my call, I fulfilled my goal doing these things. It will be as if I show up to the gym and say, I went to the gym, it doesn't matter if I come, become stronger, I show up. That is exactly what the Pharisees did. They said, I fast three times a week, I give offerings, I pray, I know the Bible by memory, but they were not godly. Now, the difference between bodily training and the training for godliness is that training for godliness has value for this life and the life to come, says the text. Godliness has an eternal value. We train for godliness to have benefits in this life and in the life to come. But we look forward to seeing the ways God will purify our efforts in this training to be, to be more like Jesus Christ. And in verse 10, that's what Apostle Paul says. says verse 10, for to this end, we toil and strive. Now, let me give you a definition of those two words that Apostle Paul um, speaks over there. Toil and strive. Toil is to work extremely hard or incessantly. Strive is make great efforts to achieve or obtain something. Paul says that he also pursues godliness and works extremely hard, making great efforts to achieve godliness because his hope is set in the living God. So the motivation that Apostle Paul has to pursue godliness is not godliness itself, but it's his hope in Jesus Christ. The faith of the believer moves him to Train for godliness. Now we go to the end of verse 10. 
And it says, because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. This is a difficult text for obvious reasons. Um, It seems as if Paul is saying God has saved everyone. Everyone is saved. And among all those people that God saved, especially God has a special affection for those who believe. But that's not actually what Apostle Paul is saying because Paul was not a universalist. He didn't think that everyone, everybody was saved, but just those who believe. Now, John Stott says, um, talking about this text, he refers to a research made by T.C. Skeet in 1979 that claims that the word especially should rather be translated to be precise or in other words. In this case, Paul will be saying that you cannot be saved unless you believe. That's how we translate. You cannot be saved unless you believe. So what Paul is actually affirming is the opposite. This is the biblical doctrine that claims that we are saved just by faith. There is no other way to come to God. Therefore, since we're saved, we train for godliness. And that is what Apostle Paul is saying. And we have those who departed the faith. We have those who believe and whose faith moves them to uh, train for godliness and to pursue godliness. But now in, in the last section, verses 11 to 16, we see that Apostle Paul is speaking to Timothy as to go and teach. So let's talk about the teachers who are godly, who teach godliness and who are godly. Now, in verses 11 to 16 uh, are a little different than the rest of the section because this, this section has 10 imperatives. The first section has no imperatives. The second has two. This one has 10 imperatives. And all of them are related to two things. Number one, teaching godliness. And number two, to modeling godliness. Teaching godliness and modeling godliness. Now, this is contrasting the false teachers in the first section who will teach one thing and they will do a different one. I can imagine this teacher saying, don't eat tacos, but in their house, they're eating tacos. They will say, don't get married, but they're actually married. And Timothy and the other side is called to teach these things. That is, Salvation by faith that produces godliness and to be godly himself. Now that is a very challenging task for us pastors, those who are here this evening. We need to spend hours praying and studying the scripture to come and and, and teach God's word, pray for you that the word will come with clarity to you without neglecting our own faith and our own godliness. So we will live out what we are speaking. 
So as I'm preaching tonight, I am preaching to myself. And as every pastor preaches the word, they are preaching the word to themselves so they can live the word themselves. Another challenge for Timothy is that of being despised, says the text, for his young age. Now I have to say that if he was despised for being a, a young preacher or a young teacher of, of, of God's word, um, he wouldn't have to be worried for that for very long because he will get older. And so if there's any young pastors over here or you feel like you're being despised because you're young, don't worry. It's just a matter of time. You will get older. But the real issue is not the age. But that regardless of the age of the preacher or the teacher of the word, he has to be godly. He has to model godliness. That all believers would see in him an example and set him as a reference of godliness. That Timothy would be a model of Christ so that the believers can see Christ in him. So dear brother, pastors, this evening, there are no excuses to be to stop being an example of godliness for our church. That doesn't mean that we are perfect, but that in our imperfection, we will continue to pursue confession and godliness, restoration and Christ-likeness, so we can be able to devote ourselves to the public reading of scriptures, to exhort our church, and to teach God's word. Now imagine that you are trying to drive a car for the first time. You don't know how to drive a car, and you want to learn how to drive a car. So one of your friends just here that you want to drive a car, you want to learn how to drive, and he volunteers, and he says, oh, I heard you want to learn how to drive. I can teach you. Then you set a date, you meet in the place, the car is ready, you are ready, and then you ask, oh, so how many years of driving experience do you have? And he tells you, oh, uh, no, I don't know. I never drove a car, but I know the concepts. Would you like him to be your teacher? Would you like him to teach you how to drive? In verse 15, Paul says to Timothy, practice these things, immerse in them, which is meditate in them, so that all may see your progress. Timothy must set himself as an example of living in the faith, as an example of godliness, in such a way that when he's teaching, he has the authority of saying, this is the way the word of God is calling us. To live. The pastors of College Church and the brothers and sisters of College Church, what we teach and learn from God's Word is for the benefit of our souls. 
It is in that way that we have been saved. And it is with the same teaching that we persist to train for godliness. Notice the last verse says, verse 16, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. It's a matter of life or death. This teaching can give life or take lives away. Christians believe in a saving faith that produces godliness. An athlete that wants to win a competition must perform to the highest level. Avoiding things that take him away from his goal, he must follow a strict diet and exercise with discipline to compete to the highest level. But his goal is not just to compete. The goal of athlete is to win. Our goal as Christians is to be like Christ. That is godliness. And we, says the Bible, have been declared holy in the sight of God through faith. So we have already accomplished that goal. So as athletes of the Christian faith, we are all winners in Jesus Christ, our Savior. But what text is teaching us today is, therefore, let us live lives that continue to conform into his likeness until he transforms us completely to be like him in the life to come. Amen? Let's pray. Oh God, thank you for your word tonight, for speaking to me, for encouraging me to toil and strive for godliness. Because I have set my hope in the living God. And I pray that we as church, we will do that as well. So, so none of those who are here will depart from the faith. So none of those who have set their faith in you and proclaimed Jesus as their Savior will be lost. But that we will train for godliness. Thank you for your word and help us, Lord, to continue to train in the way that you have called us. In Jesus we pray. Amen.